Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 89 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer, occasional doer of musical things, and thrilled to be back in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Andy Stewart, uh, delighted, delighted to have you back and delighted to finally be recording this Minisode. Yes, it is nice to get that off the list, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, yeah, if you were kind of keen listeners yesterday, you may have spotted that the mini-show did not land. If you were keener listeners on Sunday, if you were subscribers, you might have spotted something landing in your feed, which was us basically uh, putting together a ramshackle five-minute recording of Andy in his house and me outside a Carlisle service station, making my apologies for the fact that I was currently stranded in England. Yeah, but you have made it home. Yeah, I got home about 10 o'clock last night, so last night being Sunday. Yeah, sure, yeah. And I think, like, conceivably we could have recorded it but it would have been awful yeah and also i mean it wouldn't have left as much time to get it edited and out in time for a normal deadline yeah and we take these things seriously you know we do here we are here we are now on monday night recording this at seven o'clock yeah here we are so tell me about your week what have you been watching i've been watching a couple of things uh the first thing that i checked out uh, i don't know if you've seen this maybe you have uh rob grant's harpoon no, I was supposed to see Harpoon at Celluloid Screams, and then it got taken off the lineup because of a release thing. Oh yeah, and it got replaced with a Golden Glove. Which I also missed, because we were post-live show come down. Yeah, we were boozing, I believe. Yeah, we were. Indeed. Oh no, yeah. I wasn't, I had the car. But uh, anyway, I digress. Better fucking not have been. <laughs> Harpoon. Okay, so um, produced by Kurt Davis Harder, this one, isn't it? Who's done a couple of things that I really like. He's done In Control and Spiral. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's kind of triple header. Uh, three... I think it's fair to say a dysfunctional friend group. Okay. I uh, decide to take a boat out. One of them's kind of the rich guy. One of them's the, I guess, the girl in the middle of the right, two guys. Right, sure, sure, sure. Um, mm-hmm. And the other guy's just kind of, he's a bit dweeby and a bit losery compared to the other guy who's kind of wealthy. Um, so they kind of head off into the sea um, and the boat breaks down and they're kind of stranded at sea and supplies are dwindling, kind of, one guy's injured and it's become infected and it kind of spirals for you spiral but it kind of goes from there yeah you mm-hmm, could mm-hmm. say it gets goes to some dark places from there that sounds pretty interesting this looked like something that i really would have liked and i was kind of annoyed that i had to miss it a couple of times mm-hmm. i am like i've got every intention of catching up with it i i quite enjoyed it it doesn't outstay its welcome it's nice and nippy about 80 minutes uh you're in and out with it and it's quite funny at times it's quite gory at times yeah i I quite enjoyed it yeah what i thought about when i saw the synopsis of it was that it looked like a intensely less shite version of cage dive (laughs) cage dive Dive. yeah i was gonna say which eventually became open water three on netflix yeah because that played at glasgow fright fest it did um i don't mind telling you that's one of the worst films i've ever seen Uh, but yeah, when I saw the synopsis and the kind of the stuff, the trailer and the promo for Harpoon, I was like, oh, this looks like what this should have been. Yeah, and it, it is good. It's essentially a chamber piece, but at sea. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, and I had, I had relatively good fun with it. It's out now on Blu-ray from Arrow Video. 
Nice. Okay, cool, cool. Always good. Anything else? Slightly less enjoyable. <laughs> okay. Um, I checked out Nicolas Cage's latest offering, Primal. Primal. Tell me more. <laughs> so Nicolas Cage kind of plays this badass hunter uh, who <laughs> catches this white jaguar. And, uh, okay. He uh, is taking it back along with a bunch of other animals. He's like a poacher. He's illegally trafficking these wild animals that he's captured because he makes a pretty buck off them. Uh, right, okay. And he's taking these animals back on this ship. But also on the ship, there's a kind of Connery element playing out in so much as this kind of genocidal former NSA agent is on the boat as well. He's kind of shackled up in this cage in the middle like Hannibal Lecter at the, in that kind of book depository or whatever they've got him. Sure. <laughs> uh, Famke Hansen plays a Navy doctor who's partly overseeing the transportation of this guy. And uh, <laughs> what I thought was going to be much more Nicolas Cage fighting animals on a boat becomes kind of Nicolas Cage trying to deal with this guy on a boat <laughs> while a white jaguar prowls around attacking people. I see, okay. Yeah, it's not It's not very good. <laughs> it's like that heady brew of Jaguar Attack movies and uh, aquatic bureaucracy movies. Yeah, you love to see them. You do, honestly, yeah, yeah. I'm, I just think it's bold that someone's making another one in 2020. Absolutely. Just when you think you've had enough, here comes this one. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Nicolas Cage is fine here. It's a more subdued Cage performance than we're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing a bit of a dick, to be honest. Like he's he's a badass. He's getting no regard for the rules at all, Mitch. Okay, okay. Um, and um, the highlight for me is Kevin Durand as Loffler. The kind of I guess your your super yeah, villain. Richard Loffler. I've got the IMDb cast list in front of me now. Oh, you've got that yep. up there. Excellent. Um, got to say, not the most convincing digital Jaguar I've ever seen. Okay, <laughs> but not not <laughs> also terrible, not the worst. Not terrible by any means. What I will say, and far be it from me to talk about how anyone looks, but Famke Janssen's done something mental to her. Oh, face. really? Yeah, she... At first I was watching, I was like, she done, is there something digital going on here? Oh, okay. Um, a quick a quick prowler on Google, no, no. She's just had a lot of what looks like fillers and Botox and stuff. She looks like a dummy. Right, okay, okay. And it is quite distracting. But uh, it's a pretty poorly made film um you can see the seams quite a lot right okay okay like particularly on the deck of the boat you can see in the background what's supposed to be sky but very much looks like a sheet really okay so that kind of level yeah 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 it's quite it's it's quite poor but nicholas cage is there making his money it's out there one thing i i I, I did want to mention is that for a long time at the beginning he seems to have befriended this parrot Okay. And I was like, oh, please tell me this fucking parrot isn't going to be hanging around like his pal for the duration of the film, making funny quips and stuff like the bird in Deep well, I was going to say, like, Gilbert Gottfried's bird in Aladdin. <laughs> Jaffa! Jaffa! <laughs> uh, or, like, um, what was that monkey? The monkey in Anaconda. Oh, I know the one you mean. I've forgotten the name, but I know the one. The wisecracking monkey. Yeah. Kong! Kong, of course. I can tell Kong. you, by the way, that this film was directed by uh, Nick Powell, who has two credits as a director and 119 as a stuntman. Both credits. Uh, 100% casting Nick Cage. Outcast. Is that is that also a Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah, he's in ah, there. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, um, 
I wouldn't say rush to Primal. Yeah, this does not sound like it bowled you over. No, um, I thought it was going to be something far more fun and sillier. Yeah, which is kind of what you're in the market for a lot of the time these days, isn't it? Yeah, 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 but it's quite pole-faced in a disappointing way. I I was reading something about it and it said that the script was actually originally kind of optioned in 1995 and it feels like a film of that period that would have worked better then along with films like Anaconda and along with films like Conair kind of in that window. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that reminds me of. Um, have you seen Most Likely to Die? Yeah, yeah I I the Blasey film. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh-huh. I was at a screening of that, and they were like, "Oh, we, the script for this was written twenty years ago." And then obviously, it's it's a slasher film. But I watched it. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this feels really dated." And I was like, "Well, of course it is. It was written before all the stuff that we know about slasher films now." Sure. And I was like, "It just feels dated in a way that doesn't feel self-referential or winky. It just feels old." <laughs> So a bit like that, maybe? I mean, yeah, it just feels a film of a different time that might have been handled better at that time with a bigger budget back. Sure, 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 sure. When that kind of thing was more the norm. Yeah, but Primal, it's out there now from Lionsgate UK. You can pick it up if you want to see the weird digital Jaguar or, in fact, Famke Janssen's face. Naturally, uh, yes to both. What I will say, I feel bad for Darren Gaskell. I was just thinking that. he has messaged the show lots of times, professing his love for Famke Janssen, and I think he'll be disappointed if he happens upon this. Yeah, I think that's probably true by the sounds of it. But anyway, not dwelling on that too long, do you have any more? No, I don't. So no. I have the one. Right. And I am gonna, I'm going to, simultaneously, I'm going to tell you about it, then I'm going to pitch something to you as well. <laughs> so okay. um, I watched this week, I was on Shudder this week, carrying on my crusade Mm -hmm. to get my money's worth um yes and i went in on a film that was recommended to us by graham hughes right sure. Uh, but he didn't mention it on the show i don't believe i think i think that he showed us the trailer when he was just about to leave and i was just looking for something to watch and i was like no fuck it yeah i'm gonna watch this so i went back to 1990 uh for the reflecting skin which for anyone who hasn't seen it is set in 1950s america and is this kind of like dark fairy tale about this kid who plays a prank with his friends on this woman and then gets it into his head that she is a vampire yeah and it's basically the rest of the film is about that. Uh, I thought this was great. <laughs> oh, this is really cool. I think that like when there is uh, so much mythology getting stuffed into a thing, sometimes I find that that breaks up the narrative a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of breaks up the momentum a little bit. I didn't feel like any of this felt particularly clunky or expositional. I liked the whole kind of like a uh, dreamlike state of the whole thing. Yeah, this this worked considerably more for me than I expected it to. Wow, cool. So, well, well done, yeah, Graham. Yeah, well done, Graham, indeed. So, now, do you remember ages ago I was watching Sleepwalkers? Uh, uh, yes. And I was talking about yeah. Sleepwalkers and saying that it was like a curiosity because it's a 90s horror film before there was a definitive 90s horror film, which I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say was Scream. Uh, okay. Uh, so, pre-slasher reinvention 90s horror feels unshackled to a zeitgeist for me. I kind of feel like early 90s horror was kind of whatever it wanted to be in a way yeah. that hasn't really been repeated since, I don't think. Okay. So I'm wondering if in the place of the shop was 100, I might go on a 90s horror side quest? Oh... And this is one of those things where I think that we could get a lot of really good feedback and interaction on this. Well, yeah, I mean, as, if this is what you decide that you're going to do to replace the Shockwaves 100, then it would be nice to kind of open the floor and get some suggestions for 90s horror films in, maybe little-known gems. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I, th- I think that this is a really good window to open things up for a little bit more feedback. Okay. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm considering that. I'm considering it. I may come back next week having watched another 90s, an early 90s horror. Also, if anyone wants to do a, a 90s theme tune. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
for for Mitch's quest through the 1990s, then please, we would absolutely yeah, love that. Yeah, the more it sounds like the King of Wishful Thinking by Go West, the better. Oh, just on the cusp there, 1990, yes, I believe. Yes, yeah, yeah, getting in by the skin of its teeth. Recorded 1989, released 1990, if I'm not mistaken, because I've had this conversation before. It was on the soundtrack to Pretty Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to watch Pretty Woman, but there you go. <laughs> so... <laughs> What have they been saying? Did just say as well, I didn't notice until it wasn't there how much I missed you doing the Shockwaves 100 one. Yeah, uh, do you know what? It almost came out of my mouth just by kind of muscle memory. Yes, your habit, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a decent amount of feedback this week. Thanks to everyone for getting in touch as always. A pretty good spread as well, but I think that it probably makes sense to lead with Children of the Corn. Now, I want to say a big thank you to the director of the Arrow Video release, a Serial Killer's Guide to Life, Stanton Cousins Row, for joining us this past week to talk Children of the Corn. The conversation that I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I thought it was um, great. And a couple of people got in touch about this. Um, Laura, uh, Bain and LV, uh, getting back in touch, asking which Children of the Corn it was. So we did kind of write the ship on that one, let her know it was 1984's one. Absolutely. So got in touch saying, ah, great. It freaked me out when I was a young horror kid. The practical effects of something chasing through the corn, it'll be good to revisit. And that was the visual effect that we all landed on as being our favourite as well. Oh, the, the one who wrote behind the wheat yeah. or whatever it's called. <laughs> he who roams behind the rose. Yeah, yes, yes, of course. And it, it wouldn't be wheat, given that it was a cornfield. <laughs> I suppose not, yeah. Yeah, just uh, uh, Theresa May wandering in the yeah, wheat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest mystery of all was why his name was such a misnomer. <laughs> uh, you got anything on Children of the Corn? Yeah, I do, actually. I've got horror in a tweet. Ah. At David S. Smith getting in touch to say, Great film, surely doesn't need Defended. Now, any of the sequels, except part two, on the other hand, I'm still not entirely sure how many sequels there are to Children of the Corn. I hear people have been taking the piss out of me for suggesting there might only be four, when in fact the number might be significantly higher. Yeah, I actually also have not done the fieldwork on that, despite the fact that it turned out to be such a hot-button issue for so many people this week. Yeah, yeah, people are like, you're fucking, you're so fucking you're, stupid, You're Stuart. crazy, man. You've got no business hosting a horror podcast. Yeah, of the two of us, you're the one who has no business hosting a horror podcast. Very good. Um, on the subject of Children of the Corn and specifically that episode uh, Mouth at Mouth La Victoria on uh, Twitter got in touch saying I'll listen as long as you take it back about Ready to Rumble that's my favourite shit film never never absolutely not it's been a pleasure having you listen to the show but um, if if it's a choice between a listener and Ready to Rumble I'm sorry I'm happy to lose the listener Ready to Rumble for those who didn't listen identified by Andy as the only film he's ever walked out of in the cinema yeah yeah and it was a tidal wave it wasn't just me no 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 okay okay I might have started it loudly giving the screen the finger how do you loudly give something the finger because I was also shouting for Andrew Marshall got in touch, semi-pro geek on Twitter, with some extended thoughts on Versus and also Kitamura in general. Uh, got in touch saying, yes. thanks to Strong Violent PC, I've now watched Versus a third time after a blind blockbuster rental and a revisit after seeing Downrange, and I'm happy to report I still didn't have the slightest idea what the fuck was going on. Then also go back in touch saying, I'm also with Watchfire's Mitch and really liking No One Lives, but not being entirely sure why. I love the fact that I'm not the oh. only person that has this problem, and I'm going to say problem. Affliction. Affliction. I quite like Downrange as well. I thought it was daft fun. I don't have a massive amount of interest in rewatching it in my house, but I saw it as a secret no. film at Celluloid one year, and it absolutely brought the house. Down. I think it's on Shudder if you ever do choose to go back and revisit it. I've got some uh, bits and bobs here, kind of miscellany. Okay. Um, Stevie Reeve. Yes. Getting in touch just to say, uh, and this is timely actually, given that the Oscars were last mm-hmm. night. Okay. If we had recorded this yesterday, as was the originally planned, this would have been a far more kind of spurious, if 
still salient tweet. Okay. Looking forward to hearing what you and Watchfires Mitch think of Parasite. For me, it's a perfect film that everyone should watch. Be warned, you will pick your jaw up from the floor quite a few times while watching it. Yeah, Parasite has been high on my list for a while, and I've kind of deliberately ducked out on reading anything about it beyond the very, very thin plot outline that I know. I'm yeah. really excited to see this. I'm kind of, it came out on Friday in the UK, so I'm kind of hoping that I'll be able to see it this coming weekend. I can't wait to see it either. I really can't. And obviously, amazing stuff last night at the Oscars, and so much as Parasite picking up four, not just the first ever Korean Oscar but four of them. Yeah, four of the big ones as well. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Foreign Language Film, and Best Original Screenplay. Elsewhere, we have Paddy Murphy, who has been on his travels. He has, yeah. He's just back from Kansas. Yeah, he was in Kansas for Panic Fest, um, which if you follow him on social media, you'll see a little bit about. He made a couple of podcast appearances while he was over there. He did, uh, yeah. Movie yeah, Crit, yes. Shockwaves, and uh, Nightmare Junkhead. And he was very lovely about us. He was. He kind of actually, this is kind of what I was getting to. He made mention of the fact that he had been uh, shouting us out on Nightmare Junkhead, which we very much appreciate. And now we're kind of talking about possibly doing a crossover with those guys. Yeah, I just thought, why not? Yeah, I mean, like, sounds like fun. So I think that's just about my lot. We did have some other stuff, but a lot of it was kind of echoing very similar sentiments. I've got one last thing here, and it's lovely. It's Cosmic Ray Girl getting in touch uh, with a little video of her daughter, Astrid, dancing to the Strong Violent PC intro music. This, I would say, is, uh, for one thing, it was absolutely fucking adorable yes. also i would say that this is the warmest reception that a piece of music i've written has ever received <laughs> now thanks for sending that in alexis um, it made us both smile this week it was very nice it did indeed and uh, yeah i hope you turned it off pretty sharp before i started talking about dicks and wanking and <laughs> yeah 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 hopefully hopefully uh right i think that we're just about ready to move on it is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any identifying text and leave only the image. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and, where possible, give it both a title and a synopsis. So uh, last week, if I'm not mistaken, we had X-Ray. Yep, which I'm still amazed that you couldn't identify from the poster. Come on. Uh, reappropriated yeah. by me as Hippocratic Death under the knife and fighting for life. Oh, was that the full title? Was that Hippocratic Death colon? Yes, yes. I thought, ah, I thought under the knife and fighting for life was the tagline. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It was a colon. Oh, my. We had a couple of people get in touch this week. Uh, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. As ever, getting in sharp with a good one. Aging beauty queen Vera Naughty regrets falling for the ad campaign of a pop-up plastic surgeon on social media who turns out to be an organ harvesting demon in Botoxic Shock. <laughs> I like that title. It's quite a strong title, isn't it? I yeah. like that plenty. Uh, C.P. Buckley, as ever yes. continuing his campaign against brevity. <laughs> when Shirley Humpsalaw left her small town home to become a model in Los Angeles, she joins the prestigious Harper Finn Agency. However, she Ooh. gets more than she bargained for when the agency starts to demand she change for a job. She reluctantly agrees and goes under the knife. When she wakes, however, she finds that she has severe abdominal pains. She goes to the modeling right. job, but has to leave after she becomes seriously ill. She returns to the agency to find out that the offices are empty. Jesus. As she gets sicker and sicker, she hunts for the mysterious agency. She ends up in the home of one of the agency's heads and finds that it is in fact a secret witch's coven that is using her to birth a demon that the coven hope will take over the world. Can Shirley save the world and destroy the coven, or will she bring about the end of the world? Is 1979's lost Lovecraft-inspired cosmic horror the birthing? Wow, that sounds a lot like Starry Eyes. <laughs> 
It really does. It really does. Freighter Perdurabo on Facebook. You won. Get over it. Yes. A graphic documentary regarding the shortage of anaesthetic in NHS hospitals following a disastrous no-deal Brexit at the end of 2020. <laughs> Kevin Matthews. Yes. When kids get hold of a surgeon's gowns, they hide in the hospital that's about to close down. Taking turns to be doctor or nurse, the kids have fun while the patients get worse. Logic's out the window and organs thrown around. Anesthetic is used so the victims make no sound. There may be no buzzer or nose illumination, but this is definitely a real-life game of operation. (laughs) Children shouldn't be left alone with things that can cut through flesh and bone, but these mini-medics are completely mad. It's 1982's Doogie Howser's Gone Bad. (laughs) And concluding this week, we have Tony Constantino. When enterprising scientist Dr. Rosemary Time (laughs) successfully manages to recreate the long-forgotten original formula to a sugary kid's medicine ahead of the big Scarborough Medical Expo, things take a sinister turn when she's kidnapped en route to the fair by her embittered disgraced protégés, the Funkel Twins. Oh, jeez, not Refusing to hand over the formula, the terrible twosome tried to trick Time into telling them the secret to the sweet, sweet addictive treat by torturing her with some expertly skilled and highly unnecessary surgery. Now the gloves go on, the gloves are off, as time desperately texts her kids Parsley and Sage to sprig into action and find their mother before it's too late. <laughs> Recently re-released as Unexpected Calpel Scalpel to Incident. <laughs> it's 1991's much maligned Scare But Affair. The alarming attack of Parsley, Sage and Rosemary Time by Simon and Garth Funkel. <laughs> That's the cool. video bunch this week. No best name this week. I wasn't blown over by That's any fine. of them, but what I, I will give Hanny Ray best title. Uh, Botoxic Shock, okay. And best overall pitch to Kevin Okay, Matthews. big well done to Hannah and Kevin. Both winning a whole load of nothing. Yep. <laughs> now, you've had 24 hours to view this image. It's true. Because I put it on Instagram yesterday because I thought we were recording. <laughs> uh, yes. So this better be fucking right, amazing. Okay, I have done my best. Um, and I'm not even going to kid on that you're sending me the image now because I have it already. No, I'm not sending you an image now. You could just go on Instagram. Yeah, I've got it now. Um, so what we have here, the background is a kind of off-white. Um, we have uh, two human hands holding a machete, slicing yeah. downwards mm-hmm. into a human head. Although those two things might be unassimilated, it's difficult to tell. The machete is covered in blood. The human head is uh, blue, presumably because of lighting rather than just being blue, and is being strangled by a tentacle. A big yes. blue and green tentacle. Uh, off the back of the machete blade, it seems like someone is being kind of puppeteered or hung by their neck that is being pulled from a wheelchair. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. no border on the image. So that's just about your lot, I think. Uh, two human hands clasping a machete slice into a human skull being strangled by a tentacle as wheelchair-bound man, question mark, is pulled from a wheelchair by marionette strings. Yes, fine, yes. Okay, I will, as ever, need a moment. Do you think the blue face match could be the face of a corpse? Possibly. Possibly. I may or may not work that in. I mean, I'm looking at it and it, it certainly has the gaunt, drawn face and sunken eyes of a yeah, corpse. Yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't hate that. I'm not saying I'm going to incorporate it, but I might. Right, sure, okay. okay. On that okay. subject... I don't want to... I mean, I, far be it from me, Mitch, to lead you in any specific direction. Well, I mean, like, fortunately for you, I wrote my pitch fucking hours ago, so you're fine. <laughs> Cool, fine, I'll be there. It's 2028. <laughs> I don't really know why. 
And prodigious wheelchair-bound marine biology expert Clinton Swordfish has only one goal, to capture the ocean's only surviving octopus, with the field awash with rumours that the octopus has only survived this long because of his torpedo-proof shell and adeptness at melee combat. He enlists the only man he knows with the chops to go tentacle-to-toe with his nautical foe, celebrity survival expert and TV personality Flickknife Outdoorsman. <laughs> the expedition begins, but is over as soon as it starts when the octopus proves himself to be an aquatic MacGuffin, immediately killing Flickknife and doing significant damage to the hull of Swordfish's submarine, the Merciful, before departing the film by the middle of Act 2. With Swordfish and his crew stranded, what was already a fight for survival soon becomes a deadly fight for survival when it emerges that a psychotic animal <laughs> rights activist is stowed away amongst the crew and is now slaughtering them one by one with his very, very large machete. Can Clinton and his crew survive until the rescue team arrive? Find out in 1983's Deadly Intentacle, the incomprehensible defense of the indefensible submersible, the merciful. <laughs> I, I think I missed that, Mitch. I think you might need to do that again. Deadly Intentacle, the incomprehensible defense of the indefensible submersible, the merciful. Thanks, Mitch. Uh, did you give that a year? Did uh, I 1983. Uh, no, it was 1971. Oh, wow, okay. It's swinging pretty wild. Um, what's the film? Well, the film was directed by Mario Bava. And it variously goes under names such as Bloodbath, okay. A Bay of Blood. Oh, I know that. I've heard of it. And the absolutely incredible title, one of my favourite horror film titles of all time, Twitch of the Death Nerve. Twitch of the Death Nerve. Brilliant. Love yeah. it. So do we have a synopsis? We do have a synopsis coming in from someone who I think we've done before, okay. Ed Sutton. Ed Sutton. I believe that's ringing a bell. Yeah, yeah. An elderly heiress is killed by her husband who wants control of her fortunes. Plural. <laughs> What ensues is an all-out murder spree as relatives and friends attempt to reduce the inheritance playing field, complicated by some teenagers who decide to camp out in a dilapidated building on the estate. Oh, is that it? That is your lot, okay, friend. Okay, okay, okay. Is that good? Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. It's a Stone Cold classic. It's excellent. Okay, cool. I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to get it. Obviously, no, I wasn't going to no, get no. it. Uh, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. Uh, the image is everywhere and has been for a while. So if you want to get pitched in, then you can. <laughs> uh, through all the usual channels, you can find it on all of our social media. So uh, it's on all the social media, so get in there. Yep, and plenty of people have done that already, actually, given the extended period of time they've had Yeah, we can so. theoretically read out the pitches now, but I'll save them till next week. Turning our attentions then to the streaming platforms again. Ooh, what do we have? So on Shudder first, we have, well, actually, on Amazon Prime first, predictably, fuck all. Well, that's not strictly true because I saw that Haunt has come to Amazon Is Prime. that already there? I need to yes. get a better authority on Amazon Prime. I feel like I'm giving it a hard time when the chances are that it's probably bringing A++ content that I just can't find on the internet. Um, on Monday on Shudder, we've got the Hills of Eyes. Wait, wh which I Hills of know. Eyes? I'm going to say it's probably the original one, given that it's fairly recently had an Arrow video release. Aye, that tends to be the, the way, doesn't it? Uh, also on Monday, we have got um, a short film from 2017, Cat Calls. Right. So it's nine minutes long, looking to get a cheap thrill. A man decides to flash the wrong two girls late at night. The two girls are out hunting and will stop at nothing to get their kill. Wow, okay. And on Thursday, everyone keeps on going crazy for this. We've got the next episode of The Deadlands. Lot of love for The Deadlands. Uh, lot of love. I need to get on that. Right? I need to check Definitely. this out. Now TV, on Thursday, we have got The Vanishing of Sydney Hall. Sydney Hall gains notoriety as a filmmaker at an early age with his films based on real-life trauma. However, when he disappears from the public eye, a private investigator sets out to find him. Okay, that sounds Yeah, I think it sounds all right. The review's not great. But I think that as a premise, it sounds okay. Um, on Netflix on Tuesday as well, I'm going to also call this the pick. Um, okay. Netflix on Tuesday, you've got Fright Fest Selection from 2019, Bloodline. 
with Sean with Williams Scott. Scott. When a caring counsellor becomes a newly sleep-deprived father, weird way to say that, he moonlights as a violent serial killer who targets his students' tormentors. That's what I do since becoming a, a father. A newly sleep-deprived father. Yeah. Um, that's your lot for the streaming platforms this week, or at least the best that I could dig up. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm going to go with Bloodline for the pick. Turning our attention to this week's show, if you have been listening to our bonusodes, uh, namely the one that we dropped yesterday, then you'll already know this. We are doing our monthly Andy versus Mitch episode. It is my turn. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I can hear the contempt in your voice already. We are going back to 2014. It's Anna de Armas. It's Lorenzo Ezo. It's Keanu Reeves. It's Eli Roth. It's Knock Knock. It's Knock Knock. So that's this Friday. Knock Knock. Pretty accessible over here on all the kind of like VOD platforms you can get it. You can rent it for like two, two fifty, three quid. You can probably pick it up in the bargain bin in Asda for about 50 Yeah, it's probably on YouTube. <laughs> But yes, this coming week, this coming Friday, it is episode 89, it is Andy versus Mitch, and it is me, for some reason, for reasons best known to myself, talking in defence of Eli Roth's Knock Knock. Well, they can't be reasons best known to yourself for much longer, because you're going to have to explain yourself. Yes, Pretty, yes. I'll, possibly more so with this episode than any other film you've ever chosen. All will be revealed. All will be revealed. But what about you guys? How are you feeling about this? If you want to get in touch with us, you can. There are loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram, we are Strong Language Violent Scenes. Of course, you can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and take a wee minute, hop on to our website, strongviolentpod.com, for a list of everywhere you can listen. You can also find links to our T Public page there, where you can go out and buy some merch. That would really help us out a lot. And of course, you can find live dates as and when they're announced, and we just booked one. We did, literally today. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was finalised today. Exciting times. Yes. So More to come on that in the very near future. Yeah, some using coming very soon there. We are back on Friday talking knock-knock. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of judge. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 